Welcome back to Sports Legends of the Carolinas, and thank you for subscribing. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, and on this podcast, we speak with some of my favorite sports icons from the region I've covered for almost 30 years. This week, our guest is one of the original Charlotte Hornets and the shortest player ever in the NBA, Muggsy Bogues. What was it like playing in front of 24,000 people night after night? with that group oh man you i mean it was so special people don't understand how special that was um because that was true our six man with that cheer and that joy and that spirit the culture that was created you know having that talent around us around me i should say uh, made it a lot easier to, to get up and go to work each and every day unbelievable times where we could have done something special if we all would have kept that band together Thanks again for supporting this work. Here's the rest of our conversation. So to go back for a second, I was doing an interview with George Shin not long ago. It was his 80th birthday, the Charlotte Hornets original owner. And I'll read you the quote he said um, about you. Uh, he said, I was accused of being instrumental in all our draft picks, but Muggsy was the only one where I really was. I said, look, this guy's a lot like me. He's little. Most people count count him out, say he can't do it, but he did it. I wanted Muggsy on our team. To this day, I love Muggsy. And I told him once, you're my all-time best player and my most valuable player because you sold more tickets than anybody. So what is your relationship like? What was it like then? And then he eventually traded you. And George and I, I mean, we, 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 had, we got a great relationship to just start off by that. Um, but it was rocky, especially – uh, after I got traded, but before I got traded, I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, Dell and I was like his second kids, you should say. Um, he had us everywhere, um, and of course, promises was made to us um, that we'll be part of the organization, you know, even after our basketball career. Uh, but the ugly head of the NBA always shows itself. But I got traded, things. You know, didn't go as well as we expected. Uh, he and I lost contact with each other for quite some time. But then we reconnected when they did a magazine. Uh, like a the 25-year yeah, anniversary they did or the 25-year mm-hmm. anniversary, and he and I was part of that. And we had the opportunity to talk and rekindle our relationship. And uh, I love the guy. You know, have that journey with each other during that time. Because um, it was special back then. You know, Charlotte was very special. We had so much support, not only just local. It was a regional type of support. Um, and it became that. And George was the reason behind that. So I think every Charlotte Hornet fan wishes they had kept the band together, so to speak. <laughs> the the glory days, really, were you on the fast break with maybe Larry on one side, Larry Johnson, and, and Zoe Alonzo Morning on the other. Um what was it like playing in front of 24,000 people night after night with that group? Oh, man. you I mean, it was so special. People don't understand how special that was um, because that was true, our six-man. I mean, they got us through so many games, so many games with that cheer and that joy and that spirit, the culture that was created. Um, and, of course, um, you know, having that talent around us, around me, I should say, uh, made it a lot easier to, to get up and go to work each and every day. As you mentioned, the Larry Johnson, the Alonzo Mondell Curry. We had the Kendall Gills at one point. You know, those guys, Rex Chapman at one time was here. I mean, we just had some great players. And 
unbelievable times where we could have done something special if we all would have kept that band together. But again, things happen that I think every Charlotte Hornets fan wishes they had kept the band and together. So to speak. Itself, <laughs> the the and glory days really were you on the fast break with well, maybe Larry. I shouldn't have traded Larry Johnson. Right? Is that so, what you're referring to? Yeah, Zoe was the first father. domino. Um, he was the first one. Um, and when that happened, and he was a key part because he was a franchise center that was desperately needed in a lot of franchises. And being able to lose him to Miami was very heartbroken. Um, but, you know, we had to move on. And then the next piece came was Larry. You know, and then after Larry, then it was me. And then you were the last man standing. Yeah, yeah I was the last man. <laughs> Dell was actually Dell was the last That's man true. standing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he stayed. So yeah. uh, he he stayed one more year after me, and and then he moved on. But again, we had a good run. I wish we could have lasted a little longer than it, it had, um, because I think you know we could have did something special. You write in the book. Uh, you think you left a lot of alley oop lobs on the table and a lot of wins too, right? <laughs> a lot of alley loop lobs on the table as well as a lot of wins. I mean. Uh, and we just wanted that opportunity, you know, to see what we can do collectively. You were uh, you. We talked about the nickname Muggsy, and you have an en- enormous number of steals. What was that for? Maybe young players who are listening to this. Uh, a lot of people would love to steal a basketball. What, what was what was your secret doing that? Well, for me, by being small, understanding that and embraced it, uh, being close to that ball. Uh, the way I play defensively, nose on the ball, you know, I timed it. You know, I used to time it a lot. Once the ball started going down, there's no way you can stop it. So uh, being able to shoot the gaps in those regards and those opportunities allowed me, you know, to keep my opponent on their heels. And uh, that was something that I felt like I was good at. Shaquille O'Neal, I think, says in, in the NBA documentary that's been done on you that's really tremendous – uh, that he's never said that before, but Muggsy scared him to death. <laughs> he, he was terrified of, of putting the ball down. And, and that was the support I always gave my big guys. You know, we 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 complimented each other, and you know, and being able to have that impact on the floor, it allowed me to be, you know, the guy that I was. I didn't realize until reading the book that uh, you were there when Latrell Sprewell <laughs> choked PJ Carlissimo in Golden State. Yeah, I just got traded. Actually, I was there for about a week um, after leaving Charlotte. We just lost to the Lakers that day, uh, quite soundly. And uh, we got back to practice. And PJ was, you know, monitoring everybody. And he was walking, pacing around. Uh, He happened to look at Spree and I. And just for whatever reason, came down and said, Spree, put something on the pass to Muggsy. And uh, we looked there like, oh, I don't know what, what are you talking about. So, you know, we kept doing our rap and fire drill. And then he came back and looked at Spree and, and approached him again and said, I still say put something on the fing past the mugs. And at that point, I'm understanding that it was a lot of stuff building up previous before I even got there. And Spree just had the ball in his hand and just, you could see it building, and before he was going to pass it to me, he just slammed like, F- it. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse my French. Uh, and he would just address me, I'm tired of, you know, you're dressing me, and Muggs ain't saying nothing, and blah, blah, blah. And then I think PJ may say, get the F out of the practice. And 
he grabbed his neck and then that's where everything kind of transpired wow. then and there. But it was it was kind of crazy to me. I bet you were like, what have I just gotten myself into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving a place where it was pretty much quiet my whole nine years there. And then all of a sudden now you're in a city where all of a sudden you're dealing with issues that have nothing to do with the game of basketball. To close this chapter out, but you played after Golden State, you actually rekindling is kind of a theme of your life. And, and one of these is with Del Curry, you ended up in Toronto uh, playing for the Raptors a little while. But let's talk about Steph and Seth Curry for a second, because you actually played airplane with them, twirling them around <laughs> in the Charlotte Coliseum, right? Uh, what, what was that like? And, and could you ever have imagined you were twirling around a a two-time NBA MVP. And that's that's mind-boggling to me right now, even thinking about it. Um, you know, just seeing Seth and Steph, what they're doing in the NBA, I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, it's a testimony to Sonya and Dell uh, and, and their upbringing and the impact that they had on their kids. Um, no one's seen it. No one saw it coming in terms of them being young, them being fragile, small, skinny. Um, but they've always been around the game. You know, they always loved the game. They always gravitated towards it. And we're talking about Steph now, considered the best shooter that ever even laced up some shoes and being a two-time MVP, three-time champion. I mean, it just it just hard to even fathom that that was the kid I was giving that little airplane ride around in in the locker room. But it, it's a joy, and it's, 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 I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to be a part of, to see it and to witness it. Two amazing kids. They're fathers now. Um, they have their own family that now that they're trying to instill those principles and values that their parents put in them. So, I mean, it's a full circle. So I'm just happy to witness it all. And so Seth and your son, Ty, were in each other's weddings, I believe you're right. Mm -hmm. And wasn't uh, Brittany, sort of her first little boyfriend was Steph yeah. Curry, the Brittany, your daughter. Yeah, right? that, that says, Steph said that. Steph said uh, yeah, that. Steph, That's right. Yeah, yes. Steph said uh -huh. that. His yeah. first crush was Brittany. Um, but, you know, we all was close. The kids were close. And, you know, when they kids, you know, they don't know no better. Um, they just around one another and they enjoy each other. Um, and that's the beauty of it, um, being able to to support one another, to, you know, to be able to now still be able to be there for each other. Uh, they're just grateful. I'm just uh, thankful and, and, and blessed. It's Saturday Night Live. Now, Muggsy, you have something to say to Charles. Okay. It's just, I know how badly you wanted to beat the Bulls. Look at Charles. Look at him. Muggsy, look at Charles. Go on, Muggsy. And I love you. Uh, so, Muggsy, you have dabbled in movies a number of times over your career and national commercials. You've done a cameo on SNL. Uh, but the most famous role I think you're known for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is Space Jam. <laughs> and that was funny that I never knew that Tim Hardaway almost replaced you, right? <laughs> your your uh, character because of an injury situation, but tell us about the filming of that and then sort of how how the cameraman got around it uh, because of your situation at the time. Yeah, that that was kind of a unique situation. I just had surgery. Uh, we just lost to the Chicago Bulls in the playoff, and 
Uh, my knee wasn't right. So I had surgery right afterwards, and they was about to shoot Space Jam. And when my agent, David Falk, we all had the same age myself, Michael Jordan and Patrick Young, when I guess Warner Brother had, had, con- had conducted uh, an opportunity for us to be part of this now iconic movie that's called Space Jam, um, I didn't know if I could participate or not. And when I got out there, of course, they created a situation where I didn't have to walk. Uh, in some of the scenes, I was pulled on the dolly where my shoulder was walking, act like I was, you know, walking myself. And the time where we had to get up and walk to the, uh, to touch the ball, you can kind of see me really greedily limping trying to get there. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And I was so grateful and thankful that they decided to use me. Uh, part of the movie because it's, again, one of the most iconic movie I think, that ever been put out. Well, at least you guys are still tall. I'm nothing now. Just another short guy. You got that right. It's the only thing you got right. Uh, an odd story. I can't even believe it happened. This was, I got to Charlotte in 1994. You were an established star by then. You're, you were on a 10-story uh, mural, I remember. Uh, but in 1991, you actually played one game for the minor league Gastonia Rangers, as did Dell. Uh, I can't believe that would happen today with two NBA stars, but what was that experience like? Ooh, that was so much fun. Boy, we had a blast. And Dell, you know, keep in mind, he was a former pitcher. You know, he even got drafted, I believe. Um, but when they came and asked us, people didn't realize, you know, I played baseball. I was a, you know, I was an all-around sportsman. And shortstop was my position. But for that particular day, I had to play second base. And it was a promotional item, quite sure, between the Hornets and uh, not the Hornets, but the Gaston Rangers, Rangers to build up attendance. Right. George and, Shannon on both absolutely. teams. Absolutely. So uh, George created that opportunity. So well, I couldn't get a hit, though. You know, the guy struck me out, but I got my, my bat on the ball. I tipped quite a few balls, but, you know, I struck out twice and um, – and then it rained out, so we never got another opportunity to, to play again. We only, I think we played three innings. But you got a baseball card out of it. I, I think. got a baseball card out of it. Yes, I did. The Muggsy Bugs baseball card. That's got to be a, a keeper. Absolutely. Another thing people may not realize about Muggsy Bugs is he coached the WNBA team in Charlotte. I covered them sometimes, the Charlotte Sting. And uh, Muggsy, I can't remember how long you coached, maybe a year or two. How, what was that like? Yeah, we coached one full season. And uh, I came in and coached 10 games, and then the following season I coached the full season. So it was a, a great experience for me. You know, I really enjoyed working with the ladies. I mean, they were so professional. Didn't realize how professional they would be um, because never have an opportunity to be around that type of caliber players of women. Uh, but they was, I mean, came to work each and every day, uh, fundamentally sound as well as some was very athletic. Um, I think – for me, we just didn't have enough time with them. Uh, we was coming over, taking over a different situation where a lot of negativity was was going on. We tried to create, recreate the culture, which we did. There they are, standing up there right to this day. Oh, and, uh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, we're in your memorabilia room, and you've got a picture of the 06 <laughs> Charlotte Sting. 06 Charlotte Sting, and you know, they dispersed the team in 07. That's right. Um, wasn't drawing well enough, basically. Yeah, uh, that's, what, that's what they saying the attendance wasn't uh, drawing, but that's the, that was the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just Bob Johnson didn't want to 
have anything to do with the female the women team anymore, and he was more focused less on the male side of. I see. I see. Sports. Uh, and speaking of the male side, the Charlotte Hornets employ a very different sort of point guard, but another famous one now, uh, Lamelo Ball. And I just wonder your thoughts on his game and what he's already done, and also what is, is since you've coached, uh, what you think he needs to improve to to elevate to the, even the next level. Oh, I love Lamelo. I mean, I just love. Everything about the kid. I mean, his demeanor, his approach to the game. He's a pass-first type of point guard, but at the same time, he understands the opportunity when he needs to score, and he starts to look for more of his offense here of late, which is great, um, because they, they go as he goes. And him being able to become an all-star early on in his career um, really speaks value of his commitment to the game. It, it spills off to the rest of the team, and I love what the Hornets has done and what they looking to do going forward. You, uh, we're speaking about rekindling a little bit, Muggsy, and these relationships like George Shen and Del Curry and many others in your life where you've, you've found someone and then maybe it's you've been gone away for a while and come back. But maybe the most important one is, is your marriage. And it was, I believe, on your 50th birthday, you <laughs> remarried Kim, yes. right? Yes. I mean, Kim and I go back so far so far back in terms of we grew up in Baltimore. Um, you know, I was in college my second year where she and I met one another. And, you know, we was fortunate enough to have a, a kid uh, before we got married in Brittany. And then we we decided to get married in, in 89. And we last for seven years and we got divorced and we was divorced for 10 years. Um, we both went our separate ways and we co-parent with our kids and, you know, we both was in different relationships. You know, I've unfortunate for me, you know, I lost, uh, the young lady that I was involved with and Sharon Smith and that was devastating. And Kim did a great job of coming and helping me and consoling me and, and, you know, because I had, Ty was living with me at the time. And she was helping me, you know, get through those difficult days. And then once we got through those days and probably a year later, you know, we decided, you know, to start dating one another again. And um, after that year, you know, it turned into four, four years and five years. And, you know, I was a boy back then when I first married her. Um, I felt like I've grown so much, became a man and having that growth and to be able to admit your faults and understand who you are now, um, it just made sense for us to to get back to to rekindle those um, those vows that we once started. And you know, we're both family oriented. I'm just so grateful and thankful and blessed that I was able to, after ten years, find her and be able to restart our family. That's amazing. That's a that's a that's a wonderful story. Do you ever get tired of being Muggsy Bogues and just like think, man, I'd like to just go to this restaurant and not be approached by another five year old? Well, you know, I think is is God's purpose. You know, it's it's a reason. You know, and I embrace it. And so it's a means of me understanding the reason why it all happened. And uh, and and not only and not take that for granted. 
you, last thing, Muggsy, I guess we'll close with this. And again, this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Muggsy Bogues, our very first guest in this new podcast put together by the Charlotte Observer and McClatchy. Uh, but what would you like to leave our listeners with? What is your overall message to them? Well, just for, you know, people to kind of, you know, embrace who they are for one and not try to live their life as someone else want them to um, and know what your passion is. And if you have it, chase it, chase it, chase it. You know, don't let anyone dictate what you should do, or who you should become. Um, we only get one life, you know, and sometimes it's, it's some has shortened than others. So nothing is taken for granted. We shouldn't take anything for granted. And um, I just hope that everybody, you know, just love more than they can hate or more or more than they can judge, respect each other, you know, love one another, and then live life to the fullest. That's Muggsy Bogues. This is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Muggsy, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today, and thank you so much for being our very first guest. Oh, I'm so thankful and humbly knowing that I am the first guest. So, again, I truly appreciate you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you again for subscribing and supporting local journalism. Next, on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm Dallin Hart Jr. and I'm the next guest on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. We're going to tell some great stories, racing stories, and being a dad. I'm Scott Fowler and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens. And the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.